Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's gospel, Luke chapter 17. And we'll hear again these words. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, failure is no fun. I mean, when someone or something that you're relying on fails, it can be a a rather bitter experience, right? For example, when your sump pump quits in the middle of the night during a rainstorm and you wake up to a basement that looks like Lake Michigan, it's not any fun at all. When you come out of Walmart in the dead of winter and get into your car shivering and turn the key and nothing happens because your battery is dead, it's no fun. When a friend says he'll meet you for lunch at noon, and at 12.45 the impatient waiter is bringing you another glass of water and a second basket of complimentary bread, it's kind of embarrassing, and it isn't any fun at all. But isn't that just the nature of the things and the people of this sin-filled world? They're fallible. They fail us. In fact, they are often prone to failure. Our Lord Jesus is not like this at all. In fact, he's exactly the opposite. He is completely reliable. When he speaks, he acts. When he promises, he fulfills that promise. And my friends, this is true also when he's showing mercy to us. Jesus' mercy never fails. And we're going to consider that very comforting thought today as we think about this familiar story of Jesus healing those ten lepers. This portion of God's word really calls on us to seek Jesus' mercy with confidence and then also to receive his mercy with gratitude. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, this was his last trip that he was going to be making to that holy city. He knew what was going to happen there. He knew that he was going there to suffer and die, and yet he kept going. In fact, Luke tells us Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. With firm determination, Jesus went to that ancient city to give his life as a ransom for all people. Now, if we, if Jesus had been like us, then when those ten men came to him, he would have been thinking totally about himself and this terrible thing that he was going to be going through. He probably wouldn't have had time for somebody to come and bother him. But, of course, Jesus isn't like us. And so he had plenty of time for them. He had plenty of time and attention for them. He always thought of others first. And so they came to him and they begged for his pity, for his mercy, because they had leprosy. Now, to help us to know a little bit about this disease that brought them to Jesus, leprosy was feared in Israel. Feared. And not just because it often brought great pain and discomfort, but because it also brought isolation. You see, lepers were outcasts. They had to live on the outskirts of society, away from their family and loved ones. Uh, Today, we usually think of, of leprosy as a disease called Hansen's disease, though there were many different things that could be leprosy. But Hansen's disease is a disease that that affects the skin, and it starts out as just a a little white or pink spot on your skin. 
But then it develops into tumors and deformities of the fingers and other extremities and even the face. Uh, it causes all kinds of infection, and because of those infections, it can even late lead to death. Now, today there are dermatologists, and there are all kinds of medications that can treat Hansen's disease and other issues of the skin. In Jesus' day, there was no medical cure. So to keep from spreading this terrible disease around, they forced lepers to live in these colonies in isolation. Again, cut off from their families, even cut off from the worship of the temple and the synagogue. And as if that wasn't enough, they also suffered the indignity of having to cry out, unclean, unclean, every time a healthy person approached them. Jesus was a healthy person, but he wasn't afraid of leprosy. Why would he be afraid of leprosy? This is the one who stilled the storm. He gave sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. He healed all kinds of people. He even raised the dead. Leprosy wasn't a problem for him. And so when he saw those ten men in their pitiful condition, he had mercy on them. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now he said that because in those days, sometimes leprosy would just go away on its own. But that it had gone away had to be confirmed by an examination by the priest. And so he sent them to the priest for that examination. And as they went, they were cleansed. It was as simple as that, completely cleansed, because no disease could stand in the face of God's one and only Son. Now I want you to note, those men took their problem to Jesus, confident that he could help them. And help them he did. It's kind of a shame, isn't it? We don't always follow their example. We don't always do what those men did. We don't always rely first on Jesus' mercy. You know, instead of taking our financial problems to God in prayer, we toss and we turn worrying about how we're going to pay all those bills as if Jesus is so poor that he can't take care of our physical needs. Sometimes we fail to rely on our Lord to work out all things for, for our good, and so we obsess about our little problems and our illnesses and our aches and pains and all those different things. Again, as if Jesus has no power to help us, to heal us, or to give us strength to endure what we're going through. Sometimes, instead of looking to Jesus' word for answers to the problems and questions that we have in life, we instead rely on our own thinking or on the shifting winds of popular opinion as if Jesus' word isn't very useful at all, as if he would lie to us in that word. And perhaps worst of all, instead of relying on Jesus completely to cleanse us of our sins, we sometimes try to make up for them with our good deeds, as if Jesus' blood isn't pure and precious enough to wash all our sins away. My friends, we're sinners. Our sin clings to us and it stains us. And we need to speak to God as the tax collector did. Remember him? He stared down at the ground. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. And he beat his breast. And he said simply, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Kind of like the psalmist prayed. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. 
Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. And guess what? God's ears are attentive to our cry for mercy. In fact, he's just waiting around, listening for that cry because he wants to help us. Just as he had mercy on those ten lepers, our God has mercy on us sinners. Actually, what those lepers prayed for is this. They said, Lord, have pity on us. Now, what's pity? A couple of examples will help. When you see someone who is so racked with a health problem, with a disease, that you can just see that every breath they take is an agony, is just a pain for them. You pity them. Your heart goes out to them. That, that's pity. Or if you saw a little boy standing by the side of the road near an auto accident, the twisted wreckage of the family minivan, and then you also saw that his parents' bodies were being loaded into the ambulance, your heart would break for him. That's pity. Well, my friends, we have aroused pity in the heart of our God. He just looks at us, his creatures, pitiful, helpless, wandering, broken creatures that we are. And his heart goes out to us. He feels for us right down in our guts, in his guts. But he doesn't stop there. God's pity for us turns into mercy for us. The emotion in his heart leads him to take action. And we can see that action in our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, walking on this earth in our shoes, humbly in our flesh, living under God's law in our place, and obeying that law flawlessly at every last point. That's the mercy of our God. Christ himself stretching out his arms and his legs on that cross to willingly receive the Roman nails, to endure his Father's justice because of our sins, to suffer in our place the hell that we deserve. That is mercy. God's one and only Son bursting out of that tomb on the third day, fully victorious over sin and death and Satan, pulling out the stinger from death forever and ever and giving us an eternity of life and peace with him. That is mercy. And my friends, we're desperate for it. We're desperate for this mercy. We crave it. We need it more than the food that we eat or the air that we breathe. And in Christ, we have it. We have the mercy that we need. Our God is rich in mercy. He's loaded with mercy. In Christ, God mercifully forgives us and saves us. And again, as if that wasn't enough, our God does so many other things for us as well. He listens to and he answers our prayers. He gives us our daily bread and then some. He helps us with our problems. He promises us his presence. He helps us when we're hurting. He sustains us in the faith through his word and his supper. My friends, it is mercy that prompts our God to give us one blessing after another. Now, how ought we to respond to his mercy? Worship, praise, service, thanksgiving, hearts and hands and voices. That's why we come here each and every week. And that's, by the way, why one of those lepers seemingly never made it to the priest. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. 
Can you imagine the relief that must have filled this former leper's heart when he looked down and saw his skin was clear, no deformities, no spots, everything just as pure as a baby's skin? How it must have lifted a weight off of his heart, a weight of loneliness and suffering that he had been through. His response was immediate and it was intense. He ran back to Jesus. He made a beeline for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Threw himself at Jesus' feet humbly and worshipped him with great joy because of this gift. Luke notes for us that this man was a Samaritan. So he was a double outcast. He had been an outcast because of his leprosy, but among the Jews he was also an outcast because the Jews hated the Samaritans. They looked on the Samaritans as sort of a a religious and racial half-breed. None of that, of course, mattered to our Lord Jesus. He simply saw a soul who was in trouble, and so he reached out in mercy to help, and the Samaritan responded to him with profound gratitude. But he was the only one. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. One out of ten returned. Ten percent. Not a very good batting average. But notice something. Jesus did not have harsh words of rebuke for those nine who didn't come back. Nor did he say, well, if they're not even going to come back and say thanks, bam, their leprosy's back on them. Let's see how they like that. No, none of that. He just noted that they weren't there to give thanks. And then he noticed the faith of that Samaritan. You see, it seems that unlike those other nine, this Samaritan saw Jesus as he really is. Not just a healer of diseases, but a forgiver of sins. It seems that he looked to Jesus also as his Savior. And so he came back and he gave thanks to Jesus for all his gifts, physical and spiritual. Now, my friends, I would ask you today... Have we received any less when it comes to blessings than this Samaritan received? Has God been stingy with us in any way? Well, look in your garage, look in your closet, look in your refrigerator, look in your wallet. Our God is hardly a a penny-pinching miser, is, is he? He generously showers us with all kinds of blessings, our daily bread and then some. And that's not all. Look at the cross stained with our Savior's priceless blood. Look at that open and empty tomb, empty of Jesus' body because he's risen, but filled with victory for us, victory over sin and death and Satan. Look at the baptismal font and the communion table and your Bible. Our God just showers us with spiritual blessings through his word, forgiveness and life and salvation in Christ, all free of charge, all no strings attached, all because of his tender mercy. Brothers and sisters, how do we respond to that tender mercy? Can it be any less response than that of the Samaritan? No, of course not. How can we respond with anything less than our best? You know, with our time regularly set aside to be in God's house, to hear his word, to study his word, to receive his sacrament, to share his word with others. How can we respond with anything but the best of our effort to live a life of both love and service to our God and to our neighbor? How can we respond with anything less than the very best of what he has given us, return to him joyfully, cheerfully placed into that offering plate? 
No, my friends, in no area of life can we give such a merciful God our leftovers. It is Jesus' mercy that inspires and empowers us to respond with our very best thanksgiving. You know, I've often thought about this familiar story. And I've wondered, whatever happened to those nine who didn't came back, come back? Did, did they at some point have a change of heart? Did any of them realize, you know, that man healed me of my leprosy. I ought to try to find him and give thanks to him. Did some of them actually perhaps seek Jesus out? Well, we don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us. This much I do know. I can take my sin to the cross of my Savior, and there I can and I will find mercy. And so will you. Why? Because Jesus' mercy never fails. Amen.